We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. What kind of mythical powers does a sun devil have? We've got to consider that. It's embarrassing, but we are who we are. We're not a very good team, but we're three and one somehow. And we got all the voters fools thinking we're pretty good. Jaworski Lane at 275 pounds showed a heck of a lot of athletic ability. Welcome to the Rotowire College Football Podcast. It is Thursday, September 10th. Week two is nearly upon us. We're just hours away uh, from the beginning of that slate on Thursday night. I'm Nick Whalen, joined as always by John McKechnie. John, um, I know you have some thoughts on Grant Wells from Marshall, and I do not want to get in the way of any of those to begin. So I will cede the floor to you. You have to talk only about Grant Wells for the next 30 to uh, 90 seconds. Uh, and then we'll start, you know, recapping week one a little bit. Look ahead to week two, of course, check in on the fantasy and the DFS slates. Uh, and then we'll get into our week two all name team, which is something I hope we can kind of continue week to week as the pod continues. But uh, please go on Grant Wells. Yes. So, yeah, already looking forward to, to that um, to that all name team. That That is something that that I feel like is very much in our wheelhouse. So uh, we'll, we'll keep that rolling. But 
Grant Wells, man. I, I talked about him on the pod last week as being a, a potential X factor for last weekend's uh, main slate because he was priced, you know, like he wasn't uh, dirt cheap like some of the uh, FCS quarterbacks out there. Marshall, of course, was going against an FCS team, and there, there was really no stats to point to uh, when it came to Grant Wells, uh, I believe a redshirt freshman. Um, but he come he comes out just firing last last week, and you know I sit down on my couch and he's already like absolutely tearing it up. Um, he completely looks the part. Um, you know that Marshall had a quarterback, um, a veteran quarterback that that presumably, you know, would have competed for the starting job again um, this year. But maybe his decision to an- enter the transfer portal is kind of a, a sign of, of where Grant Wells has been as far as moving up the ranks at Marshall. So just a totally dominant uh, sort of uh, coming out party debut, however you want to say it, for, for Grant Wells. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm very much at this stage uh, just a captive to what what I've seen. And like I'm leaning into the whole small sample thing. And in this case, it's like, well, is Grant Wells the best quarterback in college football? Prove me wrong right now because, I mean, 16 and 23, 307 yards, four touchdowns, didn't even have to play the full game. And then they were saying on the broadcast that he runs a 4-5 as well, so he didn't even have to break that out uh, in kind of a snoozer against Eastern Kentucky. Like, look out, man. I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what what, uh, what Wells and company are going to keep doing. And, and he's quickly becoming one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, group of five quarterbacks out there. Is he on the Heisman watch? Right now, I mean, I think the bell just be. is, right, until someone else takes it from him. I mean, as as of right now, he's the best quarterback in the country, and Marshall is the best team in the country. The, there's really no two ways about it, brother. I mean, it's just that's how it is. It's Marshall's world, and we're, and we're living yep. in it. Uh, we're we're going to obviously see some more teams introduced into the pool uh, this week, and Marshall, I believe, is idle this week before they, they uh, take on App State uh, next week. I'll be very emotionally torn uh, in that matchup because I was just in, in Boone, North Carolina, like two weeks ago, and I have a bunch <laughs> of App State uh, accoutrement now. I'm, I'm really partial to Have you seen their logo with the guy smoking the corncob pipe? Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah, so I have several articles of clothing and, and just yeah. other things with, with that logo on it. So I'm, I'm going to be very, very torn. I'm going to be wearing like the, the what was it, A.J. Hawk's sister with the half Notre Dame, half Ohio yes. State. Yeah, I'm going to be rocking uh, the half App State, half Grant <laughs> Wells uh, jersey come next Saturday. It's going to be a sight to behold. Oh, man, that, that A.J. Hawk sister thing, that was like what? at this point, 15 plus years ago, 15 yeah. ish years ago, that still endures. Like I'm sure someone else has done it since then. Oh yeah. Uh, but for people our age, especially like that is burned in my mind. I will, I will still be referencing that in like 2045 when people don't even know who AJ Hawk is at that point. Um, so tell me about this Boone, North Carolina experience, specifically from an Appalachian state perspective. I, I mean, I saw you just flexing on everybody on Instagram last week when you were down there, and it took me a while to kind of deduce where exactly you were. I, I knew you were, you know, you've, you've been known to be intrepid, and, you know, you were clearly in that region of the country, but I, I didn't know you were that close to the program. Yeah, so uh, grandparents have, have a house up in Boone, and uh, uh, me and the... Me and the GF went went uh, you know took a little weekend trip there in Boone, uh, kind of you know it's in the mountains I believe the Blue Ridge Mountains um, maybe or maybe the Appalachian Mountains wouldn't that make sense um, but either way um, it's just like this really cool mountain town um, we explored campus a fair bit um, really really uh, hilly kind of like difficult to navigate if you're not uh, totally up for it but we we walked all around. Um, 
just really, really nice campus. Can't say enough nice things about it. And uh, the stadium is really, really cool, too. Got got a good up-close look at it. Didn't get to tour it or anything, but uh, they call it The Rock. Um, and I like that a lot as, as a stadium nickname. It uh, reminds me of the Sean Connery Nick Cage film. Uh, so that's always welcome. And then just App State totally crushes it there. Um, so... I was very pleased by, by my experience in Boone. Then we, we went up on this mountain, Grandfather Mountain, on Sunday, um, walked across this like mile-high bridge. Um, so, yeah, App State playing at altitude and, uh, and making it work. And uh, that's just a, a, a standout, an exemplary uh, group of five program that, that uh, I, I like even more. I always kind of liked them because of the whole Michigan game, but oh, yeah. now it's like, man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm connected mm-hmm. to App State a little bit now. Yeah, did you see the the gigantic? It's like a hundred twenty foot statue, I think, of Armani Edwards downtown. <laughs> the, yep, they, they do routine maintenance on that, it, and like if you look at it too long, they like ask you to to like you know avert yeah. your gaze because it, it's just so bright. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's an important part yeah. of it, and I also got a, a uh, picture with the with the mountaineer uh, statue. I believe his name is Yosef, not Joseph. So Yosef insane yeah i mean talking about aj hawks uh sister that this is another one marnie edwards is a name especially for people our age college football fans um you know that was like right at our peak formative years i think for becoming a fan and that name will forever stick with anyone i mean i, I haven't really heard much about armani armani edwards since that game i have no idea what he's up to but i you know me and everybody who was watching college football at that time will always 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 remember armani edwards legacy absolute legacy yeah. so yeah what a king All right, so you've compiled a little bit of an all-week one team, and this is not to be confused with the all-name team. We will get to that at the end, uh, although I'm seeing at least one name here that uh, that there might be a little bit of overlap, let's just say. Um, But you mentioned Grant Wells. Uh, Who do you have at running back and receiver? Who jumped out on, you know, nationally it was kind of a a, a blah slate, you know, not a lot of premier programs playing, but, you know, if, if you're in the trenches like you are and you're, you know, you're monitoring this for fantasy purposes, who are the guys that stood out to you most? Well, um, whether it was all they're doing or more Navy just really not being ready to to start the season, I'm not sure which way that really cuts. So we'll have to see how the rest of their seasons progress. But um, uh, Lapini Katoa and Tyler Algier, Algier from BYU were both just electric on Monday night. They just could not be stopped. Um, they, they were both averaging like you know, well north of seven yards a carry. It felt like they were breaking off a long run every single time that they got the ball. So, I mean, they, they only had like 24 carries between the two of them, but um, I think they they pushed for uh, like close to 200 yards combined, something like that. So th- those two guys killed it. Um, BYU, I think, is in very good hands with, with those two as the one-two punch. And then, and then Zach Wilson, um, you know, kind of calling the shots from the quarterback position. But um, I would say that those are my top two running backs of week one. Of course, Grant Wells, the, the QB one, uh, Jalen Tolbert, um, a um, going to announce this now. He's a new friend of the program because I tweeted about him saying that I have Stockholm syndrome. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, Jalen Tolbert is the best receiver in college football. He retweeted me. So that that That's awesome. huge. Yeah, so that automatically means that he's a friend of the program. So, Jalen, uh, keep doing your thing, man. Uh, excited to see the uh, South Alabama game against yeah, uh, Tulane. But, I mean, Welcome he was bored, big fella. Let's go. So, yeah, hop on the train. Uh, but he was totally electric on Thursday night. I, I don't think that most people were expecting um, him to be the, the X factor in that uh, South Alabama passing game. I think Kwan Baker w- was kind of expected to be that guy. But, 
Uh, six targets, or I'm sorry, uh, six catches on 10 targets for Tolbert, 169 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he got it going early and then just kept it cooking uh, for the rest of the game. So Jalen Tolbert, uh, receiver of the week. Uh, Tim Jones on the other side of that one. Uh, impressive showing from from him from Southern Miss. Um, really just a consistent player. Um, I, I think that he's going to continue to be a really um, you know strong force for that Southern Miss um, passing attack, although S- Southern Miss just they had their coach step down earlier this week. So we'll, we'll have to see um, how the, the Golden Eagles re- respond. there. very weird for post week one coach to kind of just walk away or part ways yeah. of the program. So maybe there's a little bit more there that, w- that we just don't know about. Um, and then Gunnar Romney, uh, you know, anytime that a, that a team hangs that many points, um, you're going to have multiple players end up on the in with that small of a slate. You're going to have multiple players on the team of the week. Gunnar Romney uh, fit that bill um, over 100 yards and, and a touchdown, I believe, uh, for him against Navy in that complete thrashing on Monday night. So that the uh, the team of the week, once again, Grant Wells, uh, Lupini Katoa, uh, Tyler Algier, Jalen Tolbert, Tim Jones and Gunnar Romney. Those, those were the dudes who really, really showed out uh, week one. So Gunnar Romney, yeah, obviously an incredible name. Anyone named Gunnar is at least going to be in contention for an all-name team. So I just want to put that out there. And as far as Jalen Tolbert, do we know, is there any relation to Mike Tolbert? I've been, I've been asked this. I've I've combed both Mike Tolbert's Wikipedia. I've I've combed Jalen Tolbert's uh, profile page on South yeah. Alabama's or athletic website. No connection that I can see just yet, but that doesn't mean I'm not uh, really just going to the ends of the earth to, to find some connection one way or the other, because that, that would really take it over the top. If they're not related, oh, well, but if they are, yeah. man. Well, so, I mean, on one hand, if I was related to Mike Tolbert, that would be like letting people know that I'm related to Mike Tolbert would be a number one priority. Like there would be no question. It wouldn't be like, I don't know if he is. It would be like, it's all over his Twitter profile. Every mm-hmm. photo of him on Instagram is him with Mike Tolbert. So the fact that he's not advertising that if, if they are related is concerning. Um, but at the same time, until we know for sure, I, I think we have to assume that they're related until we definitively get proof that they're not. I like your thinking on that. So we'll, okay. we'll continue. We'll continue along that thread. Mm-hmm. All right. So looking at Memphis and Arkansas state from week one, Memphis wins that one 37, 24, uh, a nice day for the Memphis offense. Um, but I know you have some thoughts about Arkansas state uh, basically splitting splitting passes and splitting snaps relatively evenly uh, between a pair of quarterbacks. Yes. And that's a, that's a problem. And and it's something where even before um, COVID and everything, I wrote in my initial quarterback rankings piece uh, back in, I think late January or February that um, Logan Bonner is going to be back uh, for, for this season. But even with that being the case, there's nothing that Lane Hatcher did last year that would make you think that he's not deserving of being the starting quarterback at Arkansas State like with impunity. And he was clearly the better quarterback uh, Saturday night against Memphis. I think that he gave them competitive series, whereas Bonner, a little bit more mistake prone. I, I just don't think uh, nearly as gifted. So um, I like Blake Anderson as a coach. I love the program that he's built um, at Arkansas State. But this quarterback carousel, um, it's going to be really frustrating for, for fantasy players. Um, but it's also just something where you know, as a fan of of seeing quality football, especially in, in a year where it might be lacking, knowing that Lane Hatcher can can provide that and still opting uh, to give Logan Bonner the, the time of day is just, you know, it's 
it's the the old adage, you know, you if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. And mm-hmm. it's really frustrating when you don't really have two quarterbacks. You have the one guy who's who's ready to take over and, and be the guy. I mean, Hatcher w- was really dominant last season. And again, he was better um, on Saturday night uh, going up against Memphis. I mean, th- completing 13 out of 20 for 166. That's not like eye popping, but um, it's certainly productive. And that was a t- that was going to be a really tough spot against Memphis. Yeah. Memphis probably um, a top three Group of Five program uh, for for this season. Um, so yeah, Arkansas State just needs to get that figured out. And uh, the week that that happens, I hope that the um, prices for for DFS slates uh, stay to where. Um, Bonner and, and Hatcher are both like values. So then then you can really have the smash spot um, with Lane Hatcher. Look, man, we can't all have Grant Wells. You know, not every not right. every team just has this clear cut Heisman candidate just walking on campus, forcing other guys on the depth chart to just flat out leave school because he's that good. <laughs> he Grant Wells is what Tate Martell thought he was. Right. Where is Tate Martell right now, by the way? I think he's just chilling. I think he's in Miami, but I think he's just chilling. Yeah. Like he's just completely given up the ghost yeah. as far as like next move coming soon. <laughs> One of those like, yeah, keep an eye out. Yeah. What a what a what a turn it's been for him. I remember like waking up in like the middle of the night or something when he decommitted from Texas A&M like five years ago. And now it's, yeah. <laughs> now we don't even know where he is. Oh, man. Yeah. I just pray that he starts somewhere at some point. I don't even care. We what need to see. Yeah, we need to see yeah, it, like, whether it's at the power five level or not. Right. It needs to happen. Like I'm, I'm sure that he's been terrible in practices and scrimmages. I, I understand that. But I would still nonetheless like to see him play in a game just just once. Well, yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's not even have him, you know, move that far. Like, let, let's just give him to Florida International for for yeah. a season or something like that's in Miami. Like, you know, just doesn't even have to go. Yeah, it's not yeah. that big of a deal. Nobody it, nobody would care. Um all right, so looking at week two now, uh, before we dive into the DFS implications and, and some of the projections for this week, what are some of the overall storylines you're, you're keeping an eye on? We have a little bit of a better slate this week, at least some more major programs in action, but man, we don't have a ranked versus ranked game, uh, at least in terms of teams that are currently in the top 25 until week five. And you know, obviously it's, it's a watered down field uh, with no Pac-12 and no Big Ten right now, but Still, uh, a little bit of an underwhelming start to the year in terms of, you know, driving national interest and casual fans in these games. Uh, with that said, you know, we have some some big programs in action. Clemson, Wake Forest, Texas is on the slate this week. Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Iowa State, North Carolina. Uh, so some big names, uh, you know, will be playing. But in terms of the individual games that you're keeping an eye on, um, what, which are the four or five that stand out most? Yeah, so you bring up the, the good point that uh, college football – it's great that it's on, of course, and I, I will never complain. But um, you know, it's a bit of a test, testing of of our love of college football for the for these first uh, three or four uh, weeks of the season. With the you know, it's not only a light slate, but there really aren't any uh, heavy hitting matchups to really carry the weekend. Um, that type of thing. I mean, we're still having to deal with a lot of FCS programs uh, being in the mix for for DFS slates. Um, that sort of thing. So yeah, we're 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 lacking those quality matchups, um, but we're we're gonna start to to get them here in a little bit. Um, I think that, you know, we're recording this on Thursday. The De'Ara King uh, debut in Miami is gonna be fun. Um, that game going up against uh, the NFL season opener. I've, I can't imagine the ratings are gonna be particularly great <laughs> for that one. But uh, but here we are. Um, I don't think who cares about who wants to watch this Patrick Mahomes character anyway. 
We got right. the Lakers, Lakers Rockets playing tonight too. I don't, Lerbon James. I don't, I don't care about this guy. Yeah, who? I don't even know who those people are. So I mean, yeah, it's all about uh, the college football, of course, for Thursday night. But um, yeah, the Derrick King th- uh, thing should be fun. Um, Miami has a couple of electric freshman running backs to to get excited about. Uh, Don Chaney um, and uh, Jalen Knighton, both of them pretty exciting young players. And then Miami also has one of the best uh, tight end prospects in the country in Brevin Jordan. So excited to see um, that um, offense take off under under Derrick King. That'll be good. Um, other matchups that I like, though, um, you University of Louisiana at Lafayette. I always forget if if I'm saying that right or if it's just Louisiana. Well, I think they're just Louisiana now, right? I believe so. I believe they needed that's... to make a bigger deal out of that. Like that that was extremely confusing until I really dug in. Yeah, or it's is it just Louisiana when it's referring to sports or something, and then it's Louisiana yeah. Lafayette when you're referring just get to, to the claim school? all of Louisiana like that. Yeah, that that is a bold move, Cotton, on on right. their part, but um. They do have one of the best running back tandems in the country. Um, so Iowa State, who I believe is is ranked like 23rd or something like that, um, it's not going to be an easy game for them. I mean, they're they're going up against a Lafayette team that, uh, again, has one of the best running back tandems, has an experienced quarterback. Um, I don't know how much they're bringing back on defense, so I do expect Iowa State to win this one. But I think the fact that the spread is only uh, 12 points in Iowa State's favor is is Vegas showing a ton of respect to the Raging Cajuns, which you should always do just as a general principle. Um, And then Georgia Tech versus Florida State. We have a, you know, a brand new coach, new system at Florida State, Georgia Tech, um, a little bit more continuity. But we're still trying to see um, what this new era of post Paul Johnson uh, current Jeff Collins, uh, Georgia Tech football is going to look like. They got some interesting pieces. Um, We'll get into them when we get into the DFS slate, but um, it'll be It'll be interesting to see what Florida State, like how quick this turnaround should be uh, for Florida State, because, I mean, uh, I felt like the the previous coaching regime under under Willie Taggart and, and maybe even uh, late stage Jimbo Fisher deserves some blame for it. But it reached a, an adir as far as what you could even like envision Florida State football falling down to. I mean, they've had some truly embarrassing performances over the last couple of years. And uh, hopefully Norvell can get things turned around. I know they've had kind of a tumultuous summer, um, but getting thing, things started on the right foot against Georgia Tech, it, it's a big opportunity for Florida State. Um, and I want to see if, they, if they're going to be able to take um, advantage of that. Um, and then Western Kentucky, Louisville, um, Western Kentucky, fun offense. I think that they have uh, things pointed in the right direction under their coach. Um, Clay, uh, Tyson Helton uh, did a good job with them uh, last year. I think that'll continue this year that they got a uh, transfer quarterback from Maryland, Ty- Tyrell Pigrom. Uh, remember him of fame for doing really well against Texas several mm-hmm. years ago down in Austin. Uh, so he can play. I think that uh, moving down to Western Kentucky is going to be good for him. And then, of course, again, with with Jalen Tolbert, friend of the program, um, South Alabama versus Tulane will, will also be uh, a game that I'm monitoring particularly closely. Have you noticed much of a difference in terms of some of these spreads? You know, like you mentioned, Louisiana. Um, and actually, you know what? No, Louisiana Lafayette. We're still calling them that for now uh, against Iowa State. You know, that one could be a little bit closer. ISU favored by 11 and a half at home. Have you noticed some of these spreads that would maybe be a little bit larger if we had fans or full fans in the stands uh, being knocked down a bit? Or has there not really been much of a difference? 
Um, I haven't done a, a deep dive on the, on the differential just yet, but uh, I know that last week, you know, played out into a couple of different extremes. Um, so it'll be interesting as we get more teams and more sample, um, you know, how much that, that really um, adds up. Uh, some teams were just kind of no shows last week. Um, so it, it really is going to depend on, on the coaching staffs getting these teams ready because week one can always be a bit of a uh, of a crapshoot as far as college football goes. But um, especially this year, um, we could see some really lopsided stuff that that we hadn't previously um, anticipated or, or uh, been used to seeing j- just because of how crazy things have been over the last few months. So, um, yeah, Vegas, I, I do not envy the uh, the odds makers there on, on the college football realm because I think that we're going to continue to see some pretty wacky stuff. What are we thinking for individual expectations for Derek King, who we really have not seen play at, at a full level since the end of the 2018 season? I mean, he played a couple of games to begin 2019 and, and things very quickly went off the rails and it was clear that, you know, thing, things just weren't right with that situation. Um, you know, can he regain that 2018 form? I mean, legitimate dark horse Heisman candidate at that point, obviously lost a lot of steam with how last season went. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of forgot that he even ended up at Miami, um, but it'll be on a bigger stage, you know, for the most part against better competition. Uh, what, what are your personal expectations for what he can accomplish this year? I would love to see him get turned loose as a runner and just have like his strengths um, kind of magnified like the way they were in 2018 uh, with with Houston, where, you know, he really was like the um, one of the best quarterbacks in college football and uh, did not get to uh, get to the Heisman ceremony or anything like that. But, um, you know, throwing for almost 3000 yards in 10 and a half games, 36 touchdowns against just six picks um, and then running for 14 touchdowns. Um, that I think is is the peak of his abilities, and I think that that's something that, if Miami does it right, they they will be able to re- replicate on some level on a, on like a per game basis. Um, I just think that King is such a dynamic player. Um, I'm interested to see what Miami's receiving core looks like. It's pretty unproven as it stands. D. Wiggins, a, a pretty big recruit, but hasn't really popped just yet. Um, same with Mark Pope. Uh, Mike Harley has been a consistent but not overly explosive player um, in recent years. So is it really going to come down to you know, the, this being the Brevin Jordan show in the in the passing game, are they going to be running a lot of like heavy personnel with Will Mallory also out there who's a good tight end? I don't know, but I, I have some optimism for Deer King kind of returning to that 2018 form. Um, but I, I am worried that maybe some of the, the surrounding talent uh, for for Miami, as far as the, those pass catchers go, um, could put a slight cap uh, on King's overall fantasy production. So maybe he'll take a little bit more on his shoulders, maybe run a little bit more. We'll have to see. He was certainly on, on a torrid pace as far as running uh, mm-hmm. was concerned last year before he shut his season down after four games to preserve uh, his year of el- eligibility. So uh, how after one week, what is the landscape in season long? college football fantasy i know if you, if you go to roadwire.com and check out our college football section you'll see there is a waiver wire piece up for week two um i mean have you noticed in terms of you know the guys you're usually in leagues with guys who are usually talking about it um you know i know we hit on the potential increase in dfs just because of how complicated season log might be this year but uh how has that played out through one week 
Yeah, season long, it's it's a tough one. It, you know, if you draft it over the summer, I know a lot of the industry um, drafts that, that I participated in over the summer, the industry best ball um, type of drafts over on fan tracks, like those are basically just being refunded our, our buy-in just because of, you know, how decimated a lot of those rosters have been due to, uh, you know, the the cancellation of, of four conferences. That's just something that made it really tough. So if you were, um, you know, someone who waited a little bit later, maybe did your draft um, in late August and you did conference specific, um, which you can, which you can definitely do, which you can definitely customize, you know, like, well, we're doing an SEC big 12 league. Like you can totally do that. And we do have content to, um, to keep you, uh, rolling as far as that's concerned. Nick Grays does a really great job um, with his uh, waiver wire piece every single week. And, you know, we, we keep doing the updated rankings and projections for everybody. Um, so whether it is DFS or season long that you're playing in, we have all the tools available to you to help uh, make your start and sit decisions. But again, I, uh, the season long leagues, a lot of them uh, had to kind of be uh, reshaped in, in the wake of um, those conferences opting to cancel their ris- respective seasons. Yeah, and understandably so. All right, with that, let's turn our attention to the DFS slate for week two. We're going to get our first look at Sam Howell. We're going to get our first look at Ian Book at Notre Dame. Um, is Sam Howell worth it this week? $8,900 on DraftKings uh, in their main uh, game on Saturday. Are you rostering Sam Howell? I think it's going to be hard to... Um, go away from him in in more than just a couple of lineups. I think that he's going to need to be in in the bulk of my lineups. Um, I know he is expensive at, at 8,900 and, and quarterback value is always, you know, paramount to your roster builds and your lineup builds. But I think in Howell's case, he's definitely worth it. Um, he's someone that uh, plays for a team that that leans on him as, as a passer. He can move a little bit um, as well. He's got such explosive weapons uh, at his disposal between Daz Newsome um, and Diami Brown. Uh, the two of them are just ridiculous. Uh, both of them, um, you know, among the best receivers in all of college football last year. Um, and we're we're entering a situation here for for UNC where they're favored by 23 points. And I think that. Um, UNC, it wouldn't surprise me if they try to kind of whip up a Howell for Heisman type of campaign here. So I think that they're going to let him cook. I think they're going to let him go out there and really put it on Syracuse. And I think Syracuse isn't really going to be able to do much to stop it. So I'm looking for some pretty gaudy numbers um, out of Sam Howell, not just this week, but um, over the course of this season. Um, I know that there was a lot of like high efficiency, maybe not the most volume in the world um, last year. And maybe some people worry about a little bit of regression, but I think Sam Howell's kind of a special talent. Uh, I think that he's just a different cat, not someone that you can just apply the, the standard uh, regression to for an average player. So um, I, I'm totally buying in at that 89 uh, or eight, yeah, 8,900 uh, tag over on DraftKings. Real quickly, where are you at on Howell as an NFL prospect? So, um, you know, he's a little bit shorter, um, so there there is that working against him. But I think that he has a, a just kind of special like feel for the game. He's really um, something else as, as far as that goes. He's got the arm strength. Um, we, I guess, you know, really it, it boils down to will, will he have a Trubiskian level draft stock? Will he go in the top three um, of next year's draft? or, you know, the 2022 draft. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if things will 
go that way, scrutiny always comes in into factor for guys uh, draft year. I'm sure people are going to try to pick apart Trevor Lawrence th- this year. I'm really kind of dreading that uh, and overthinking uh, him and that, that kind of thing. But yeah, I think that how has the goods. Um, we'll have to see um, how how he fares this year or how he fares the year after when, when uh, his top receivers are gone. But I think as it stands right now, um, I would be skeptical of of Sam Howell's skeptics, I guess is how I would put it. Okay, that's fair enough. And, you know, obviously we'll have at least hopefully another couple of years to evaluate him and plenty of games to do so uh, before he's draft eligible. Uh, what quarterbacks outside of Sam Howell maybe a little bit cheaper are you targeting this week? So the, this is kind of a tough one to to pick out. Uh, we saw how Eastern Kentucky performed last week uh, against Grant Wells. Uh, Jarrett Jared uh, Dagey, I think is how they pronounce his name, at, at West Virginia. He's the starting quarterback uh, for the Mountaineers. Um, so he has a very favorable matchup, but you run the risk of when you're playing a guy who's a, a power five quarterback going up against an FCS school, you have to worry about his pass attempts being capped at like 25 or something like that, or, you know, him being uh, pulled out of the game um, it, midway through the third quarter, that sort of thing. And I think that West Virginia, who uh, might still be kind of looking for its quarterback depth a little bit, um, if that ends up being the case and they want to get some live reps in for for the backups, um, then that could end up uh, cutting down on his ceiling overall on Saturday. So he's someone that I'm a little bit skeptical of. Um, Christian Anderson, of course, is is interesting out of Army. We've actually seen him play. Um, he didn't quite run for the volume that we would have hoped for if, if you rostered him last weekend, but at the same time did find the end zone i expect him to find the end zone again uh louisiana monroe one of the worst teams on the slate as far as their run defense um a season ago actually the worst by a fair margin they uh, gave up on average 252.7 uh, rushing yards per game at a 5.7 uh, yards per uh, carry clip. So I think that Whoa. Army is really, really going to take advantage of that. Does Army um, does Army generally run the ball? Uh, you know that it's been it's a very recent development that okay. they haven't always been this triple option. Yeah, that run and gun <laughs> Army team. <laughs> oh God, there there's like I love um, like the the occasional like dominant service academy performance in oh, in, yeah. in recent years it's mostly been army but but navy's gotten it going on a few different occasions as well but you know like the classic like 19 play touchdown drive that just completely breaks the back of the opposing team it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> there's always just great screenshots of like the the drive chart and and this and that and yeah. uh well people start screenshotting their formations and then people start photoshopping them and it's sometimes it's really not even clear what's real and what's not you have to like count up every player and like Wait, I don't think they have seven left tackles on the field right now. But they might. There was one of those drives for Army against Middle Tennessee last week, right? Yes, there was a, a 19 play. I'm trying to bring it up right now. Yeah, 19 plays. Uh, I think I might be looking at the wrong 19 play drive. There was one where they started. Okay, here we go. So this was in the, I think it was in the third quarter. They started at their own one yard line, ran 19 plays, and it ended in a 22 yard touchdown. That's beautiful. That's so, just, I mean, they could have they could have reeled off another five or six plays. That's that's truly like taking the will of, of your opponent. So yes. I, I think that Army Army was going to be dangerous, uh, even if it was like, you know, level playing field, both of you playing your first game. But when Army has a one game advantage uh, yep. in terms of like live reps over Louisiana Monroe, uh, who is replacing 
their starting quarterback, longtime starting quarterback, Caleb Evans, it's, it's, it's probably going to get pretty ugly for, for this Louisiana Monroe team. And I don't really know that there's anything that they can do about it. Army just sets up as basically the worst matchup imaginable for them. Um, so I, I think that, uh, Army Army will run away with that one. I, I don't really think that there's any uh, Monroe guys um, to be targeting too much uh, this week. I do like Josh Johnson in general, but but this week I would stay away. Man, that's, that's tough. That would be very tough to be one of those schools that's in a position for the United States Army to just come in and, and kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- th- there's just nothing you can do about it either. It's yeah. it's a it's a brutal setup. I do Does the not National to... Guard have a team? The, um, could they? Should they? Yeah. Do they? <laughs> could they? I don't know. Should they? Probably not. All right. Let's look at the running back position. Uh, I know you've highlighted Michael Carter, Javante Williams. Uh, you like both their matchups against Syracuse? Yes. I don't, I don't think that Syracuse, whether it's through the air or on the ground, um, is going to be able to do much to, to slow down this North Carolina attack. And if North Carolina is up by multiple scores, which is kind of the expected outcome, uh, given the Vegas lines, um, then I, I think that we're going to see a healthy mix of Carter and Williams. Uh, Syracuse gave up over 200 rushing yards per game last season. So um, whether it is Carter uh, checking in at at 65 on DraftKings or uh, Williams, who's a little bit further down at, at 5,600, I think both of them, they, they do tend to go with a fairly even uh, split as far as the carries go. So um, I would consider both of them at their respective price points. And then I uh, wanted to, uh, forgot to mention with the quarterbacks, I like Skylar Thompson a fair bit of Kansas State. Um, he doesn't need to do a ton through the air to, to make it work. He's really effective as a rusher. Um, he's 6,800. I think Arkansas State has some problems on defense. I know that they have the advantage of having a game under their belt, um, but I, I like him a fair bit. Um, outside of that, um, as far as the running backs go, um, let's see here. Jayshon Corbin, I really like his matchup going up against Georgia Tech, and I also think that they, they, uh, they being Florida State, is really lacking um, – a, a true and behind him. So I think that Corbin is going to get um, the bulk of the rushing work in Saturday's game. And we've, if Mike Norvell can kind of unlock a level um, of the rushing attack at Florida state that he was able to at Memphis, then, you know, look out and Corbin was a very um, highly touted recruit a couple of years back. So I, I like Corbin a fair bit on the other side of that game. Um, if you've paid attention to my like, you know, recruiting uh, articles or, you know, freshmen that I'm excited about, uh, Jameer Gibbs is definitely that guy for me on the other side of this game at Georgia Tech. He's a type of recruit that usually doesn't end up at Georgia Tech. I think um, Jeff Collins beat out the likes of Florida and maybe Colorado or I might be thinking of a different guy for the Colorado thing. But I know that there were a couple of like big major players that normally would have had no problem getting Jameer Gibbs to not commit to Georgia Tech. Uh, He ends up there. Um, I think that he's he's drawn a ton of buzz over the course of the offseason. I think that everyone on that team thinks that he's, you know, the real deal Uh, Tashard choice, I believe, is their uh, running back coach there, Nick. So, yeah. Wanted to, uh, right. wanted to bring you back in. And uh, yeah, so he had really good things to say about Jameer Gibbs. And so, who you know, who am I to say any different? Um, and he's also just 3,500. So uh, pretty cheap um, to, to get exposure to him. And maybe maybe Florida State's defense um, will have some adjusting to do. So I like Gibbs as a tournament play. And then a little bit further down, um, going at that West Virginia game, uh, Tony Mathis. It seems like... Um, 
just like kind of reading the tea leaves on on the board, they have um, Letty Brown as the most expensive running back on the board. And I think with, with decent reason being the starting running back going up against Eastern Kentucky, that's fine. But I think that West Virginia um, is more comfortable doing a committee type of approach. Um, and Mathis is that next guy up. Um, the, the coach... Um, Neil Brown, yeah, said that um, that both of those guys are better the more work that they get. So I think that they're going to try to establish both of them for double-digit carries. And when Mathis is almost like half the price of uh, Brown on DraftKings, I think that you need to to really consider him um, in your tournament lineups as well because you know 12 carries against Eastern Kentucky um, should be a pretty nice path to to hitting value, uh, especially when you're talking about a guy who's just checking in at 4,400. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, he's the, Mathis, that is, is the third highest priced West Virginia running back. But then you scroll over and look at the spread for this game, which is by far the largest of any game on the DK main slate on Saturday. 40 and a half points West Virginia is favored by. So, I mean, by that implication, Letty Brown could be done midway through the second quarter. Yes. I mean, we, we saw it to, you know, a varying extent last week with Marshall. Uh, Brendan Knox was like, you know, the, the guy um, for that Marshall backfield, but he just didn't quite get enough carries to, to make it worth it. So I worry about a similar fate for, for Letty Brown this week. I mean, West Virginia could be, um, you know, taking it to Eastern, Eastern Kentucky just as bad as Marshall did. And if that's the case, then they're probably going to preserve Brown a little bit. And it's going to be tougher for him to, to hit value at 7,700. Definitely tougher um, than it's going to be at, for Mathis at 44. All right. So what's the story at wide receiver? You know, you mentioned Daz Newsom early on when we were talking about Sam Howell. He's the highest price receiver on the DK main slate, 7,900. You got Tamori Terry at Florida State. He's at 78. Sam James at West Virginia, 74. Javon McKinley at Notre Dame is at 72. Those guys are, are kind of on a tier of their own as the only four that are above 7,000. Um, but a decent amount of parity in terms of the pricing here. I mean, uh, you have a big collection of, you know, what, 20 or so guys who uh, are kind of in that 5,000 to 7,500 range. Yeah, so it's an interesting mix to, to kind of parse through. Um, I am going to try to get as much of one of the UNC guys plus Tamori on Terry. I think Tamori on Terry is like my lock of the week to, to really go off for Florida state. So it's just a matter of how much Florida state exposure you want in one, uh, lineup, you know, whether you want to, uh, do one that that's more focused on its running game and, and have Corbin, uh, maybe do both, or maybe just have a, a passing game stack with, with Blackman and, uh, Tamori on Terry. There's a lot of ways to go about it, but, um, I think that bar none like Tamori on Terry, probably the best receiver on, uh, playing this week. So probably on this slate, um, as well, of course, um, just really explosive. I don't think there's anyone in Georgia tech secondary that can really stop him. They just need to get him the ball. And I think they will, they don't have a ton of other established targets right now at Florida state, kind of a weird time, uh, as far as their receiving depth is concerned, really not, uh, what we're used to seeing. Uh, Deami Brown um, of UNC, the more explosive of the two between him and Daz Newsom, but Daz Newsom uh, priced higher because he's a better PPR option. He's the one that, you know, is push pushed for over 100 targets um, this past season. Um, I think that, you know, on a per game basis, it'll be about the same this year. So he'll probably have more catches than than uh, Deami Brown, but Deami Brown a little bit more explosive. So weigh that out um, for how you want to uh, build that lineup. I think Newsom in cash, Brown in tournament. Either way, I think both of them are going to be fine. Um, 
looking elsewhere for Notre Dame, uh, Ben Skowronek. I've never knew how to pronounce his name from his days at Northwestern, but uh, Notre Dame has a lot of uh, injuries and other weirdnesses with their receiving core, and he feels like one of the very few sure things. So I would take him straight up over Javin McKinley um, this week. I think that he's going to have more targets. I think that he's going to be a bigger part um, of this uh, Notre Dame offense this week. So I would lean him if I'm going that way. Um, Looking elsewhere, there are a couple other interesting guys Um, at Iowa State. um, We have Xavier Hutchinson, a a junior college guy who is a pretty highly touted guy um, in this in this past recruiting cycle. Um, He's at just forty nine hundred. So a fair, fair bit less than Tariq Milton. Um, So if you're buying in on one of uh, Brock Purdy's options at um, at receiver, um, Hutchinson is someone that you could go to. And then Charlie Kohler, you don't usually go with tight ends um, in in these type of tournaments, but um, he plays a kind of different role than, than most of your, you know, kind of classic tight ends. And actually, you could say the same uh, for Noah Gray at Duke. I think that he draws a ton of targets. So him at 4,200 um, is a value. I don't love the touchdown upside there. I think that Notre Dame is going to keep uh, Duke uh, mostly off the scoreboard, but I think that Gray is kind of like a one-man show as far as that passing game goes um, for Duke. Um, we'll also have to see, I guess, one of the bigger storylines is how Chase Bryce um, acclimates himself in his first game uh, starting for Duke uh, going up against a team like Notre Dame that that will be tough but um, I I like the more expensive options this week at um, receiver and I think that there's a little bit more value to be had um, at at running back if I could just kind of like give a general uh, sense on on this board all right so toss out to me some of your favorite bets this week before we get into the all-name team okay all right so quickly I like Notre Dame to take care of business against Duke. I think that they have the smell of, you know, they have an avenue towards the playoff this year. I know that they they aren't going to be on or they're not going to be at home here. And, you know, asking them to cover three touchdowns, not the easiest thing in the world. But I think that uh, Notre Dame is capable of doing that um, against Duke. I think Duke is a little bit um, lacking for for uh, for what it's going to take to, to keep this one competitive against Notre Dame. Um, as I alluded to earlier, uh, Louisiana Monroe is in a very, very tough spot. Um, they're giving away 20 and a half or they're getting 20 and a half against army. I still don't think that's enough. I think that I would take army to cover that 20 and a half point spread. They're just going to run all over ULM and, and ULM might struggle to get on the scoreboard as well. And then, uh, Kansas state, um, 10, minus 10 and a half against Arkansas state, uh, that's another line that shows some respect to, towards the group of five school. Um, but if Arkansas State is going to keep up with their quarterback shenanigans while Kansas State in year two of their new system under their new new coach, uh, Chris Kleiman, um, that's going to it could be one of those just kind of like sneakily. Uh, I just like always Kansas State, like somehow they end up putting up like a, a ton of points and you don't really understand how in, in certain spots. Um, I, I think that this is going to be one of those weeks where that happens and the defense uh, really shows up like it always does. So I, I like Kansas State uh, minus 10 and a half as well. <clears throat> all right. I love it. Um, you want to dive into the all name team? Please, please. Um, I guess my, my first entry entries, uh, first of all, watching the, the Marshall game last weekend, um, I noticed a, a guy named Knowledge McDaniel. Um, I thought that was a, an absolutely tremendous name. Very, very jealous of that one. Um, and then speaking of Kansas State, um, we're 
we're in the year 2020, correct? So if you're in college now, you were likely born after Harry Potter was was released. Is that correct? Uh, I pretty much. I have gone way out of my way my entire life to know nothing about Harry Potter, so I have no idea. Respect, respect. That's it. That's fine. But basically, um, there's a, a guy on Kansas State, and his name is Harry Trotter. Mm. And I don't know if his parents just have a great sense of humor or were literally just unaware of like the biggest book in, <laughs> uh, in both, the world. Both are possible. I don't know. I yeah, I'm I'm a fan of of either possibility there, but yeah. whichever it may be, um, Harry Trotter, that's a name that will always bring a, a smile to my face. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would like to picture his parents just like dying, you know. Uh, not actually dying, like figuratively dying, coming up with this name. You know, do you get it? Do you get Dude, it? What if we, what if we named him Harry? Oh my God, that'd be funny. I hope that's exactly what happened. I don't know. I mean, I would think that, you know, assuming he was born like around the year 2000, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Harry Potter, do we have to look up when Harry Potter was released? Are you not a, a Potter guy? I No, I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter guy. I would guess like 1998 or, or was like the first one or something like that. Um, okay, I underestimated how easy it would be to find this out. Okay, first publication, 97. Okay, okay. so it's possible that his parents were, like, were on it right away and took advantage of the situation with their names being Trotter. I think we'll go with that for now. But, I, I mean, honestly, Knowledge McDaniel is probably the best on this entire list. And we have a, a pretty decent list going here. But, I mean, the first name, Knowledge, that's an automatic, you know, that, that's an AQ. That'll get you in right away. And then McDaniel is just a, a very strong last name. Like, it, it, it sounds better, I think, when you have like a quote unquote, like very normal last name like McDaniel with a really unique first name. Yes. You know, like Knowledge Smith would be even funnier, I think. <laughs> that is a really good point because, yeah, it is sort of like a, an off the wall uh, first name, but a, an awesome one. And then, yeah, when you when you pair it with, with a very normal name like McDaniel, it, it really yeah, amplifies right. that that first name. So that that is an that's an excellent point there. And yeah. yes, that, that was one where I was watching the game Saturday and like, you know, repulled open our, you know, general uh, outline document and made sure that I put Knowledge yeah. McDaniel in there so I didn't forget him. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw this document was edited over the weekend and now I'm glad I know why. Um, I should note that this is not the all college football, all name team. We'll eventually get to that. that that's going to be a multi-week process to compile. These were just pulled from skill position players from this week's games. So we're pulling from a pretty small pool and I still feel like we have some really, really strong entries. So I'll, I'll run through the guys that I, that I put down uh, at quarterback, two guys from Syracuse. So both of our quarterbacks, and I, actually I think there are a few more quarterbacks later in the list, but both of our, our quarterbacks atop the depth chart are from the same school. So we're going to have a pretty big battle, I think for that starting job between Rex Culpepper. That's another example of a pretty normal first name, awesome last name. And then Luke McPhail, which you're just, this is a terrible pun, but you're set up for failure when your name literally includes the word fail. Like it, it, I think it drastically decreases your chance of success because any single time you mess anything up, even a small thing, it's it, 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 your name is just like ready made for. Yeah, it's a, it's puns. a verb right away. Right. It, you know, it's you're gonna take you're gonna need a Chris Blewett level of exactly. like moment of of taking your name back. Uh, in order to to really get past it when yep. it when it comes to McPhail, because obviously Chris Blewett yep. was the kicker for Pitt against Clemson a few right. years back, so you you need that level of of redemption um, in order to to really make it work. Otherwise, exactly. could end up being just kind of like a weight around yep. your neck. 
your last. I mean, if your last name is McPhail, it might as well just be like Luke, bad quarterback. <laughs> like that's the exact same thing. It's not going to change anything. All right, at running back from Notre Dame, we have Sebo Flemister. Uh, first name is C apostrophe Bo. Just an incredibly <laughs> awesome first name. Yes. That's like almost all these I wish I had. Then that's probably number one name that I wish that my parents had given me. Sebo Whalen. How much? How much cooler would my life? You be have a Sebo vibe to you. I mean, we can. I, I've we always can... thought that. So many people have told me that. You would not. You'd be shocked how often people tell me that. You look like a Sebo, you know? Yeah. Oh, Nick, that's really surprising. You don't look like a Nick. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Nick, we have a receiver from Duke, Nikki Dalmelin. Uh, not a great last name, but Nikki is just an awesome name. I don't know if there are there any Nickies in pro sports at all. Hard to say. Um, but th- this guy, you know, you hear it and you're like, okay, Nikki Dalmelin. That's a slot receiver, and yes, exactly. I, I imagine that that's what that's what he even if he is like you know yeah. six foot four, still a slot guy. If your name's yeah. if you go by Nikki, you're a slot guy. Yep, yep. I think that's uh, that's a given. We have PJ Harris on the surface, pretty innocuous name. A lot of PJs out there. You know, you think of somebody like a PJ Hill. No, no, no. This is spelled P E capital J E apostrophe. That, that rocks. Spelled, P, spelled PJ with four letters, and punctuation. Yeah, the punk. Yeah, the punctuation on there, like you know, letting you know how how to pronounce it. Yeah. Very very strong. So I I have high hopes for this P J okay. Harris character with the, the with the P E J E apostrophe type spelling. That that's I love that. A couple more receivers. We have DeCairo Rudolph at Arkansas State. Um, an incredibly cool first name. Uh, we get T W Ayers also at Arkansas State. Uh, that one sounds to me a lot like a NASCAR name. And and then a guy who's been you know on our radar our radar our radar uh, for the last couple of years Charleston Rambo, I mean yeah, it I, I doesn't, think he, he might be like the, the belt holder for the best name in college football right now. It doesn't get much better than that. It it takes a lot to over to overcome yep. someone named not only just Charleston but also Rambo. I mean uh, Rambo is a name that we've seen in the college football ranks crop up a couple times over the course of this last decade. Maybe I'm biased, but I, I think that Bakari Rambo is is probably the best name. Uh, but that's it. You know, that was a Georgia defensive back yep. from a, from a few years ago, of course. But uh, yeah, Charleston Rambo certainly holding up his end of the bargain, and he's really really yeah. good too. So I'm I'm excited yep. to see him uh, this weekend too. Yeah, kind of in that Atari Bigby territory. You know, of just like really cool sounding names overall, and you don't want to really analyze them too much. They they just sound really cool. That's what it comes down to. Uh, another one that that meets that criteria, Puka Williams at Kansas. Uh, I believe he was on our radar last year as well. Um, <clears throat> you know, ending ending the name in a, in a vowel like that, um, when it, it almost like implies that it should end in like an R or an N or something, but you just go Puka. Love it a lot. Um, it reminds me the Packers signed somebody to their practice squad earlier this week named Scuda, not Scooter, Scuda, Scuda Ooh. Harris. So kind of similar type of vibe there. Great call, great call. Yeah, P- yep. Puka is a a, a stalwart in, in the running back awesome. uh, r- realm as far as the the all name teams mm-hmm. um, are concerned. We have a guy coming up next who I don't know if you were to like create a Texas Tech quarterback in a lab, you might just come up with this name. Yeah, I think so. If there was an NCAA football 2020 or 2021 right now, if you were trying to like edit names. If you're editing a Texas Tech quarterback name, I think it just locks it at Maverick. You're not allowed to change the first name. It's just it has to be Maverick. So we have Maverick MacGyver, a backup quarterback for Texas Tech. Like Alan Bowman is is a great player, and I I think that he can be the guy at Texas Tech. But 
it's hard not to just root for Maverick McIver to to come in there and and win it and just like take take Texas Tech back to its Graham Harrell glory days. Yeah, I mean, I I would transfer if I was any literally any other quarterback on the roster. I think it's just kind of a get out of the way situation. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have Quintavious Workman at UTEP. Uh, strong first name and then just a great football last name. You know, he's a receiver. Would not be surprised if maybe they try to transition him to fullback at some point. And yeah, I mean, that that is a tremendous name. And then, you know, I think UTEP is probably the grittiest school in te- in the state of Texas. Um, so I, I, having a guy like Workman um, in the fold there, it, it just it adds up. It's a it's a perfect brand synergy there. So you, things you love to see. All right. Two more. Uh, we got Blaze Benson. Um, you know, Blaze, that's going to land you on this list no matter what. And then the spelling of Benson, B-E-N-T-S-E-N. Um, so he's at Houston Baptist. Obviously, that's a Southern name. And then we'll finish out with Clemson running back Sylvester Mayers. This is another rule for me personally. If your name is Sylvester, you are automatically on the name team. doesn't matter what your last name is. Sylvester is for sure going to get you there. Do you, do you think that are, – are you a guy that, that when there is a Sylvester afoot, you call him Sly right away? I mean, I, I like that I have the option to call him Sly, but I think Sylvester is such a cool name that I would want to call him. I would want to keep it that. And I also don't like that, you know, Sly is a cool nickname for Sylvester, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like what it, it's like, it should be Syl, right? It's not like S-L-Y is, is not together in the, in the name Sylvester. It's S-Y-L. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, it, you know, you, the literary yeah. uh, nitpicker that you are w- would pick that apart. But, uh, you know, I always thought that, that Sly was a, a pretty yeah. chill name. Um, Super chill. No, <laughs> a guy, uh, yeah, there there are a couple interesting ones. Like last week was was just a bonanza for like ridiculous names because there there are so many FCS guys and then guys that um, I just like hadn't you know had never heard of. Kind of as a result, um, Bailey Zap of, of Houston Baptist. Uh, that is a that is a great name. And then um, on on SMU, he's not playing this week, of course. But uh, another name to to throw out there for you, Ulysses Bentley. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. not real. That is not real. So he he scored two touchdowns and made everyone very, very uh, on tilt during the DFS slate last week because everyone was counting on like the chalk for SMU. And uh, and Bentley just came in and said, like, nah, man, like, I'm the chalk now. And it was oh great. God, that is crazy. That is that is the best name I've heard so far. Like Charleston Rambo. That, that makes Charleston Rambo sound like a John Smith. Man. It, it is to that level. So I'm I'm glad that we we like got this exercise going because it got my brain and my memory jogged to to remember some of the great names of last week and and uh, so I'm I'm glad we were able to close mm-hmm. this out on, on some high notes there with ba- Bailey Zapp and Uzi- Ulysses Bentley. Yeah, no no higher note than Ulysses Bentley. No. Uh, all right, I think that'll do it for us, John. Uh, make sure to check out all of our content, all of your content. I shouldn't say ours. I have nothing to do with this at all. Uh, on the Roadwire College Football page, we launched a college football matchup info page this year that kind of blends uh, fantasy and gambling. Um, so if you navigate to that page, you'll be able to see all the games that are on the DFS slates. You can sort by DraftKings, FanDuel, um, you know, main showdown, afternoon, night, all, um, all the info that you need in terms of spreads, expected scores, totals, uh, and then a really cool chart that breaks down um, kind of some of the individual categories in each matchup. And there's a, a lot of very aesthetic color coding that goes hand in hand. Yeah, the color coding uh, is important chart. to a guy like me who like, uh, mm-hmm. I need that. I need yeah. to know what color something is. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't want to read, there's a lot of numbers involved and like, I don't want to, I don't want to see necessarily how many passing yards Georgia tech or Florida state is projected for this week. But if I see dark green for one of those is like, okay, dark green, I'm going to, I'm going to use this information in my lineups. See, exactly. So we, we got you covered there. That was a, that was a beautiful summation of, of that, uh, DFS college matchup info page. So definitely check that out. Um, and also check out, um, our, our, main slate write-ups uh chris benzine and i do those i do DraftKings. zine does FanDuel. so check that out uh we also got the college capper um for your uh sports betting interest for the weekend that is up already um so a ton of good uh college football uh stuff to dive in here but uh sir i i hope you enjoy your your sports weekend here i know that there's still a ton of of basketball to to go and nfl getting started up oh, yeah. uh i'm sorry about the bucks though um I don't know if we, you know, yeah. now we're ending well, it on a, on a low note, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I'm a Lakers fan right now. So, you know, having transitioned from the Cavs to the Heat, uh, then back to the Cavs and now the Lakers, um, you Sounds know, completely, like on, my own, completely on my own. I just kind of, you know, ebb and flow. Um, it's nothing to do with any players or anything like that. Uh, we're, we're doing well. You know, we, 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 the Lakers, have a chance to go up 3-1 over Houston tonight. Uh, it's going to be a two TV night at the Whalen household. No question about that with, uh, you know, Chiefs Texans starting, I think, at like 720. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a fun Thursday night. I, honestly, if anything, you should be apologizing to me or, or sympathizing with me about the Jaguars more than anything. I mean, yikes, man. I, I saw it. I think they're only they're only like 20 to one to go. Oh, and 16. That's like the meanest on a podcast. I was like, that cannot be right. 20 to one. Although when you look at it. You know, if you play it out 20 times, they pr- there's at least one time that they finish 0 and 16, at least. So maybe yeah. maybe it should be like five to one. I don't know. <laughs> Still though, the way you frame like that is just like a literally like or legitimately like offensive thing for a Jaguars fan to see out there. It's like 20 to oh my god. I remember like you you know you could bet on the Browns and I think even last year the Dolphins going 0 and 16. It was not 20 to one. It was like 100 to one. Right, right. So, yeah, and, and we all remember how we felt about the Dolphins like at the start of last season. They, they turned out to be somewhat respectable, but I don't think the Jags are going to be even somewhat respectable. I, I think they get a win. I don't I don't think they'll go defeated. I, I think I, I wouldn't know what to do with a line of one and a half wins for the season. Let's just say that. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.